This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, and a good Monday morning to you. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Thank you for making us part of your day, whether you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, the nighttime, next week. It don't matter. That's the, that's, the, that's the glory of podcasting, right? It's a virtual DVR. You can listen to us literally anytime. You can pull up our episode from April 2nd and go back and watch it if you want to. Here on the Believe in Progress Podcast YouTube channel, hammer the thumbs up button, hammer the subscribe button. We're watching our subscription count grow every day. We appreciate you guys. And oh, by the way, if you hit the subscribe button, then go to my Twitter page. And retweet my pinned tweet. Looks a lot like this. Boom! You're registered to win two tickets to WWE SummerSlam in Nashville. Travel not included, but you get there. We'll get you in the door. It's that simple. Subscribe, retweet, you're in. Winner will be uh, selected Money in the Bank weekend. So thank you guys very, very much. And uh, again, welcome into this Monday, a championship Monday, shall we call it, SP3. Because our top three stories have to do with huge world championships in three different promotions. And I know you are anxious to talk about two uh, of those world championships and the matches that we No, just one. <laughs> one, my dear friend, my leader. I'm ready to talk about the Switchblade King Switch. That's what I'm ready to talk about. I was like, I was like, Rick, we gotta, we gotta do it so we can come out early, seven a.m., so they can hear me before they, you know, before I do anything on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Well, go out of your way, cause I woke up, butt crack of dawn here in the UK, and I watched Dominion, and I jumped on for the main event. So if you want to clip my reaction to when this happened I, I just i was i was like this for like a good few minutes so i'm ready to talk about it right now i was like oh. i was like oh my god i just saw my friend my leader my boss <laughs> you know he does regional conference calls and i'm on it because i'm the regional manager for the true heel heat uh section of the bullet club Ah, there you go. That's big time. Uh, he had a hell of a uh, post-match scrum and promo uh, that he cut as well after he captured the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So now all eyes are on to Forbidden Door. It's not who Okada's going to face, and you called this last week, so good on you. It's who Jay White is going to face uh, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. My guess would be this is going to be Hangman Adam Page. You're not as convinced but uh we'll talk about that coming up as well uh the match that john moxley has wanted for god knows how long now that is officially going down it'll be moxley versus tadahashi uh, for the interim aew world heavyweight championship at forbidden door and oh yeah you guys remember that like that wwe undisputed universal heavyweight championship thing you remember the fact that they have that in wwe that still exists that still exists and it's going to be defended this week for the first time since WrestleMania. And WWE actually mentioned that on television. That's a choice. That was a bold damn choice. Before we get into all of that, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find the latest odds, 
news developments, including on this year's NBA finals. That's a hell of a series so far. Uh, NHL finals coming up, Major League Baseball, latest fighting news. UFC had a hell of a show last night. Uh, even next season's early NFL futures, it's all there. Go to the website or use your mobile device because you never drop the damn thing anyway. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get that bonus and get into action. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. SP3, I know you can't wait to talk about Jay White, but I'm going to make you wait a little bit more. Uh, Roman Reigns is actually going to defend the WWE Universal Championship Undisputed Universal, whatever the hell they're calling this damn thing. He's actually putting the titles, title, titles on the line this Friday on SmackDown against Riddle. This is a match that was rumored for Money in the Bank, and they decided, ah, screw it. We're just going to put it on free television. I got to give WWE credit. SmackDown was actually good this week. I'm, I'm, I'm actually willing to say the G word. It was good. Banger open, banger close. Uh, Giving some other people the spotlight, like Shotzi Blackheart, which we'll talk about coming up here in a little bit as well. New Intercontinental Champion, we'll talk about that. But the headliner was Riddle beating Sami Zayn. So he gets a shot at Roman Reigns this Friday on SmackDown. This uh, championship run for Roman Reigns has been heavily criticized uh, for the lack of title defenses since WrestleMania. We're finally getting one here, SP3. We are finally, WWE finally decided to throw the fans a bone here, I guess, and give us Roman Reigns and Riddle on Friday. Congratulations for all the WWE fans that watch our show. Your, your main title or main titles will finally be defended on SmackDown next week. The most watched show in all of professional wrestling, Fox, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Watch it. It's going to be a good match. Riddle's popular in the, been giving him a decent, can't say, I can't get the G word for that. Uh, they give him a decent push. He got the win over Sami Zayn in a very fun main event match. Got to look good and strong against the Usos, taking them out with a kendo stick. So it's going to be a good match. But Roman Reigns is going to successfully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like, that's all that matters is Roman Reigns is going to win this match. He's going to win it going away. Um, maybe we get the return of, of Randy Orton, right? That might be, that would be my guess of, of how this goes down is because WWE is playing out the, oh, we don't know if Randy Orton's ever going to come back thing. He's been having some issues with his back. We don't know how much of that is a work, how much of that is a shoot. I'm sure maybe he's, he's a little banged up. Dude's been wrestling full-time for 20 years. Of course he's freaking banged up. Of course he's dealing with a bad back and a bad shoulder and bad knees. Duh. So, yeah, he probably took some time off. My guess is Roman Reigns, this will be a fantastic match. Roman Reigns will beat Riddle. The Bloodline will beat down Riddle. Orton's music will hit, and he will clear the ring with a bunch of RKOs, and that will set up the big match for SummerSlam, which is Roman Reigns versus uh, Randy Orton which is something our boy Dutch Mantel called literally months ago. Uh, so got to give him some some credit on that one that he was able to, to pick that one out of the lineup when we were sitting here going, who the hell could they possibly put uh, Roman Reigns in a title feud against this summer? WWE, to their credit, has been actually like building up some challengers recently. They just weren't pulling the trigger on any of them. So this is actually nice of them to finally go, yeah, maybe we should put those belts on the line. 
They actually said, hey, for the first time since WrestleMania, and I'm sitting here going, guys, guys, that was two months ago. Why would you actively remind people that these titles have not been relevant since you decided to put both of them on Roman Reigns? I mean, I wouldn't say they're not relevant. I'm okay with not defending the title for two months because uh, I, I'm a fan of New Japan, like I said, up top of the show, and they defend their titles like every two to three months there. So I'm not going to fault WWE for that. It's just been the fact that there has been no reason to not defend the the championship if they had set the precedent before that the championships are only defended on the major and big shows then i i would i would have no complaints and i'd be arguing against the people that are complaining but the fact that they had the title defended month after month even on you know random shows for for the past like well, past couple of years, ever since, you know, after Brock Lesnar lost the Universal Championship, I think if Brock set the standard back in like 2017 when he was Universal Champion, that it was only defended on major shows and they had just kept that, I think there should be no complaints on how Roman Reigns has been because there hasn't been anyone worth challenging him for until Riddle because Riddle has a storyline reason with this whole Randy Orton thing. He won the match with Sami Zayn. He's beaten both Usos in one-on-one competition. So he's worked his way through the butt line to get this opportunity. So it should be fine. I, and and yeah, and I think a lot of this has been compounded by the fact that Roman Reigns has been working a monster schedule for the last two years, ever since he won uh, the Universal Championship in the first damn place. So yeah, he was going to get some time off. He did sign a new contract that included less dates, so that includes less house shows. And as we have seen recently, that includes a few uh, less SmackDowns as well. I mean, let's be honest. This is a bit of a down period here, right? Money in the Bank is supposed to be like that pseudo kickoff for the big summer stretch. And then we're going to get after Cardiff, that little down period that we always get uh, heading into the fall and heading into Survivor Series. Survivor Series is going to be interesting this year, considering they've unified most of the belts. Uh, So maybe we're not going to get that, you know, battle for brand supremacy BS. And they'll actually put some effort in the show. And the fact we barely have a bland split now because people show up on each other's shows. So it wouldn't yeah. make sense to do even and especially if they're gonna do a draft and then do it a month later. No, it doesn't make That's any sense. That's always killed to do that. raw That's versus always Smackdown. killed that. I mean, if you go back and look at last year's SmackDown Survivor Series team, I think four out of five of them were on Raw the like three weeks before. So that always killed that. The timing of everything. Again, if in a perfect world, and if I was in WWE, I would do my draft after WrestleMania, like literally right after WrestleMania. That's the season they used to do. That's what they used to do. That's when the first draft happened. It happened two weeks after WrestleMania. So I don't know why they they have gone about. They do that now in October because that's season premiere for TVs, and it's all about that. Yeah, and and in a nutshell, that's fine. But then don't make Survivor Series battle for brand supremacy. And maybe we're not going to get that uh, this time around. I think all of this with Roman Reigns, though, has been compounded by even if Roman was taking time off for these last two months and we didn't have a universal title program, typically we would have a WWE championship program. But they put both belts on Roman and then parked him for a couple of months. And I can kind of understand the frustrations with uh, the fans who are sitting here saying, well, you put both titles on him and then you didn't do anything with him. He's going to have some big matches coming up over the next few months. You can guarantee that. 
and it's going to start this Friday against Riddle. I'm a little surprised this isn't on Money in the Bank, but you got the men's Money in the Bank match. You're getting both women's world title matches on the line. Uh, you're getting uh, uh, the women's Money in the Bank, so we're getting three women's matches. Maybe an Intercontinental Championship match. Maybe a United States title match with Bobby Lashley. So there's going to be plenty on the line for this uh, this Money in the Bank show. Um, good match on Friday. I think it's setting up Randy Orton. But yeah, Roman Reigns is going to win this one, hands down. How long has John Moxley been uh, come, going after Hiroshi Tanahashi, their uh, SP3? How long has he been begging for this match now? For the better part of 18 months. It's all going down at Forbidden Door. Tanahashi was successful. He was victorious at Dominion. You watched this matchup last night. You stayed up all night to watch this show, to make sure that your boy Jay White would win, to make sure Tanahashi would win. John Moxley, Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. This is about as smart as booking, I think, as Tony Khan could do in this situation with not a lot of time to build up this match. And you've talked about this before on this show. This is this is this is tailor made. This is on a silver platter. Done. The storylines there. It's built. Couple of promos. You're good to go for this. This is basically the culmination of John Moxley's storyline that he set up ahead of All Out last year, where he said that he well basically it's, it, this really goes back to Kenta arriving in in All Elite Wrestling, where he versus kenta then he wanted to verse you know the best that new japan had to offer he cut the promo before all out john moxley talking about he sent all these contracts to new japan and he wanted to face the best of the best he versed uh uh yujiro nagata on dynamite in may last year then he sent the contract he got kojima at all out kojima we heard a lot of rumors that that was supposed to be hiroshi tadahashi before that you know he defended the iwgp united States championship against Lance Archer he lost it and then Archer lost that title to Tanahashi and John Moxley was in the crowd at resurgence when Tanahashi won the title and he looked pissed because he wanted that matchup then then he was supposed to verse him this year back at Capital Collision in May in Washington DC after he defeated John uh, after he defeated Will Osprey at Windy City Riot in Chicago he challenged he challenged Tanahashi for the match in Washington in DC, and that became a four-way with Juice Robinson and Will Ospreay. So it, it was like every time we thought we were getting close to this matchup, whether it's at All Out, whether it was with New Japan in the US or in Japan, we always got it taken away. And then Tony Khan gets his world champion injured. He has to come up with an interim AEW world championship match, and he falls ass backwards into a well-built <laughs> Feud that is the culmination of 18 months of storylines for John Moxley, who has become the physical embodiment of the Forbidden Door, because this man, you know, left WWE, left a big money contract there. He shows up at Double or Nothing in 2019. He makes his debut for AEW. Just a few days later, they, they, they've been doing vignettes for New Japan for the Death Rider, and it's revealed to be John Moxley. And then he had that 2019 where he's in 
new, he's in New Japan for the G1 and having uh, absolute five-star classics with Tomori Shii, Tensuya Naito, and others. And then he comes back to AEW, has a classic feud with Kenny Omega. So he has been the Forbidden Door and been going between New Japan and AEW. So it's very appropriate that he versus the human embodiment of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the man that's, that pulled them up from the doldrums of the 2000s when this promotion, you know, people talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling's international interest. There wasn't even national interest before Hiroshi Tadahashi came to prominence. He won his first IWGP Heavyweight Championship in 2006, and now he holds the record for eight times as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. So they can't be anyone better to represent New Japan Pro Wrestling in the main event of a co-promoter show with all elite wrestling than Hiroshi Tanahashi. And in a lot of ways, they can't be anybody better for AEW than John Moxley because he has been the ace of this company, their greatest AEW world champion, in my opinion, of their entire promotion in these last three years. He held the company down during this most difficult time during the pandemic. No one deserves this opportunity more than Moxley. No one deserves the opportunity to represent New Japan more than Hiroshi Tanahashi. This is a perfect storyline a perfect matchup to be in the main event of forbidden door and honestly tony khan didn't have anything to do with it <laughs> i mean but also to his credit you know given tony khan he had the knowledge there he knew that this feud existed he knew that the storyline was there and he knew that this was an easy slam dunk you know where i'm sure cm punk told him hey my foot's busted what are we going to do? I'm sure there was a moment of panic. And then he went, oh, well, you know what? Wait a minute. There's Tadahashi's already here. We got John Moxley. Okay. Well, that writes itself. That's done over with. So, you know, good on uh, Tony for, for knowing the history and knowing that the story was already there and, and picking the right direction to, to pivot. He went down the right fork because it would have been very easy to do something that made no sense, right? This was obvious. This was the obvious choice to make, and he made it and didn't do what some other promoters would do and go, well, we can't do that. That's too obvious. We can't do that. We got to come up with something better. We got to come up with something bigger. We got to do something that the crowd won't expect. Nah, just give the fans what they want. They want Moxley. They want Tanahashi. Yeah. And and it was a good match between Tanahashi and Goto. It didn't go too long. I think it was like 12 minutes long. It was very simplistic, but that's what Tanahashi is best at. He's a master of psychology, and at his advanced age, he's been able to evolve his style and tell great stories inside the ring, and he's working with someone who's a completely different style. Moxley is a striker. He's a brawler. He could be technical, but he's not the technical genius that is Horoshi Tanahashi. And my God, look at this graphic, though. <laughs> look at this graphic, though. This graphic is fire. That looks like a, a Street Fighter. Um, like you're about to play Street Fighter, yo. That is nice. That was nice. You surprised <laughs> me on that one. I didn't know that was popping up there. But uh, now... <sighs> Conventional wisdom would say, and you know, we'll we'll obviously dive into this more as the the date approaches. Conventional wisdom would say, well, John Moxley is slam dunk. He's he's going to win this. They're not going to put the AEW interim world championship on somebody who does not work for AEW. Do you think there is a chance that they could have Tanahashi win this matchup? 
Yeah, I think there is a chance because of they set up Tadahashi versus CM Punk on Correct. that June 1st uh, Dynamite in Los Angeles. That was the match that was going to main event Forbidden Door. So it depends on, in my eyes, it really depends on what they can do. If Tadahashi is committed to making dates for AEW, they could go in that direction and have him win the championship it's no salt off the back like i said what i said before on a couple of different platforms that you know someone like a warlower mjf or darby allen winning the interim aew world championship it feels hollow because that would be their first time winning the world title but it's like is it really you winning the world title but with like someone like a tadahashi it's like this is someone that's not from aew this is someone who is already a certified hall of famer he's the goat of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's either him or Okada. He's already done everything he can do, and him winning the AEW, the interim AEW World Championship to set up him versus Punk, whether it be at an all-out, whether it be later in the year at Full Gear, whether it be next year at Wrestle Kingdom, where he's already challenged CM Punk to say, like, he will face him at Wrestle Kingdom if he, since he can't face him at Forbidden Door. There's a couple of different directions that they can go. I think it's 75% that John Moxley is going to win, but I I say that it's a lot more than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Twenty five percent is a lot more chance than a lot of people are giving Hiroshi Tanahashi for, but it is an option for AEW to go. So I think this is going to be a very interesting match in front of a hot crowd in Chicago, and I, I'm I think this is a the perfect main event for Forbidden Door. Right. Um. I don't know how. I remember reading, I've been all over the place this past weekend. I remember reading that, you know, Punk had his his surgery to repair his lower leg injury, whatever it was. They never really uh, specified what that was. Um, but there was some indication he might be out a little bit longer than what they had originally anticipated. So with that in mind, that's what makes me think that this is, um, I, you say 25% Tanahashi. I would say maybe more like 10% Tanahashi because if Punk was going to be out, three months i think that's a lot easier to to book and to 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 secure the dates and and have tanahashi kind of carry that the longer that window is i think it becomes a little bit more difficult to have him be the guy who carries the interim championship throughout that that time frame if punk's going to be gone for up to six months yeah it's mox it's got to be mox and i think that that would just be easier on AEW. and also and you mentioned this earlier this is this this guy carried WWE through, or excuse me, AEW through their pandemic as their world champion. This man deserves to be the world champion in front of some damn fans, please, for the love of God. And also, by the way, if he is the interim AEW world heavyweight champion, book this man in Cincinnati for the love of God. Don't roll. I know you, people roll my eyes when I talk about booking more Cincinnati dates, but that is more meaningful to him. Because he is from here and he wanted to bring that AEW World Championship back home. He did not get to do that when AEW did make their Cincinnati debut. Uh, So hopefully he gets the opportunity to do that at some point. All right. I'm just going to throw up the graphic here and uh, let SP3 talk. Switchblade Jay White wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The floor is yours. Vindication. Vindication, ladies and gentlemen. I've been saying it everywhere. I am Bullet Club through and through. 
I've been with the Bullet Club since not not since the very beginning because I wasn't watching New Japan. But part of the reason why I started watching New Japan was AJ Styles going to New Japan because I've always been a big AJ Styles fan during this time in TNA. So I wanted to see where he was going to go next when he left TNA in 2014. And when he goes to New Japan, he joins the Bullet Club. I was like, oh. I'm going to go watch that. I'm going to see what's going on here. And I got to see him win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on two occasions, beating Okada, beating Tanahashi for the gold. Then from there, you get Kenny Omega taking the reins. You got the Elite with the Young Bucks, revolutionized the business, made wrestling outside of WWE prominent again. Kenny Omega winning, being the first gaijin to win the G1 Climax, meaning the first non-Japanese performer to win the G1 Climax, then his classic series of matches with Kazuka Okada, the greatest match I've ever seen in my life, Okada versus Omega 4, where Kenny Omega finally won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and then 2018, you know, the this young kid, this young, young lion, Jay White, he comes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I got to see him in Ring of Honor in 2017, his star-making performance against Will Ospreay. And I was like, that kid's good. I, I got to even see his debut in ROH when he versus Jay Briscoe and went to a time limit draw with him. And I was like, yeah, this kid's really good. This kid's really good. But he comes back to New Japan. He's a knife pervert now called Switchblade. And he pulls out the master plan, the master plan. Kenny Omega invites him into the Bullet Club. He turns him down and then beats Omega for the IWGP United States Championship. And then he pulls off the coup. He gets the elite out of the Bullet Club. And by the end of the year, he's the leader of the Bullet Club. He makes Gato turn on Kazuka Okada, takes over the Bullet Club, single-handedly sells out Madison Square Garden. This year, he single-handedly sold out the United the United Center. Then I got to see him come back to New Japan Pro Wrestling last month and revitalize the Bullet Club, brought the Good Brothers back into the fold, brought them back to Japan for the first time in six years, put Juice Robinson in position to win the IW GP United States Championship challenged Kajuka Okada for Dominion, and everybody was sleeping on him. Even the hangman, that dumb cowboy, that dumb cowboy gonna say, I want the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, and I want Okada. But it's a smart man. Adam Cole told him, he, Okada might not even be the champion by, by Forbidden Door. And you know what? Adam Cole was right. Because Switchblade Jay White did the impossible. He's the first ever Grand Slam winner in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. The only man to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the IWGP United States Championship, the Never Openweight Championship, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, and now the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in a sensational matchup. Go out of your way to watch this match. 36 minutes of pure wrestling glory between these two men and Switchblade Jay White. Clean, clean as a whistle. He just hit Okada with one Blade Runner and he pinned the new GOAT of New Japan Pro Wrestling and he's become a GOAT himself. The Bullet Club has reigned supreme. I am an honorary member of the Bullet Club as inducted by my leader, 
Switchblade Jay White. So as the Bullet Club representative here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, it is a glorious day that Switchblade Jay White is once again on top of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And if you're a fan of AEW, there would be no AEW without Switchblade Jay White. That was a hell of a promo that that he He gave you two, two great promos he even called out hangman right after he won the title he's like he's like hangman you want okada you can have him you ain't getting this you ain't getting the iwgp world heavyweight championship you dumb cowboy biscuit he told him he told him he said something else i just said i edited it so rick don't have to press the button too many times <laughs> but then he goes backstage and he's having his beer he's like the bullet club wouldn't have the good brothers back here in japan the bullet club wouldn't have the inevitable uh ace austin the x division champion in their fold the there would be no aew without jay white if he didn't beat kenny omega and send him running send him running to to america to create a there wouldn't be no CM Punk grand return. There wouldn't be the revitalization of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. John Moxley wouldn't have had a place to go after WWE. Chris Jericho wouldn't be the demo god if it wasn't for the catalyst of professional wrestling and the man that will defend the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in front of the sold-out United Center switchblade. Jay White. And this presumably would be a slam dunk that it is going to be Jay White versus uh Hangman Adam Page. That's what conventional wisdom would say. Well, we're doing our our uh our pre-show meeting here, and I brought that up. And you thought maybe there is a chance though that they might throw Adam Cole into this mix here, even though that doesn't make a lick of sense. It doesn't make any type of sense. I thought the whole, literally, when when Adam Cole came out for the match between Hangman Adam Page and David Finley on Dynamite this week, I was like, oh, he's there to, like, set up Jay White versus Hangman Adam Page. Because I've been under this understanding for, like, um, since Hangman lost the AEW World Championship, I was like, okay, you do Jay White, he's going to win it at Dominion versus Hangman Adam Page. He cut the promos talking about how, you know, he's a representative of AEW because he started off as a lowly member of the Bullet Club and worked his way to the top. So how appropriate it would be after he loses his place at the top, his way to get back at the top is going for the New Japan title against the leader of the Bullet Club, a guy that he's lost to in the past when he tried to get his first championship in New Japan for the IWGP United States Championship. And these two guys are so much better than they were in 2018 that they would have an all-time classic at Forbidden Door. So, no, they had Adam Cole say that he wants a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So, Now, granted, he said that while Okada was the champion, so there's no way, and it lost in all of that, right? Uh, all of that tr- trash that Jay White was talking in his promo. He went out of his way to congratulate Adam Cole, to call him his boy, say congrats on winning the Owen Hart. So there's no animosity there. These two are boys. They're, uh, there's, it would make not a lick of sense for them to do that. So I would not be surprised if Adam Cole kind of walks back his his comments this week, which made sense at the time, saying, wait, why do you get the shot at Okada? I should get the shot at Okada. And he's, And as you said, 
That's if Okada is the the New Japan IWGP World Heavyweight Champion this time come forbidden door. So and I think that might go out by the wayside and they'll have something else for Adam Cole. What that could be, I'm not sure. Cole has a torn labrum. He should not be expected to have an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship Correct. matchup at Forbidden Door. Put him in. You've been setting up the whole Undisputed Elite. Put them in a five-man because the Young Bucks don't have a natural person or team to base at Forbidden Door. Put them, Red Dragon, Adam Cole against Okada and the AEW side of Chaos. Throw Rapongi Vice in there. Throw Orange Cassidy. Have him return. Have him come back to verse yeah. this one. And Chuck Taylor. And have those five verse the Undisputed Elite. Protect those guys. Like uh, Protect Adam Cole. He don't need to be in that. Because no. his boy, the catalyst of professional wrestling, is sitting on top of the world. We we have a, a few big matches that have been set up for Forbidden Door now. Uh, a lot of other uh, options out there on the table. You ain't got a whole lot of time to get there, though. So let's dive into this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. So SP3, I did that thing again where I paid attention to what Twitter was talking about. And I can't tell you how many times I saw different people, people whose opinions I respect, and you know, some other clowns out there on the uh the of the <laughs> of the internet wrestling community, right? Talking about how this has been a lackluster build for Forbidden Door and how some people forgot that it was two weeks away. So I will, I will ask you, with now less than two weeks before Forbidden Door, has this been a lackluster build for you? Um, This is a question that I wanted to ask Tony Khan on the AEW Double or Nothing uh, conference call was, how is he going to adjust to only having four weeks to build to his next pay-per-view? Because in my eyes, Forbidden Door should have probably been in July, I don't know yeah. what week it should have been, but they're doing an ROH event the week before SummerSlam. That would have been a much better, in my opinion, spot for Forbidden Door because you would have had eight weeks to kind of put stuff together and have it develop. But, you know, Tony Khan is worried about every week of Dynamite feeling like a pay-per-view. And this coming week on Road Rager, it's like a pay-per-view. You got a yep. three-way ladder match. You got a hair versus hair. You got a, a one on to Jurassic Express and their AEW tag team title run. <laughs> you got a one on 20 handicap match. So that feels like it's a, it's a pay-per-view. So it's like, where is the buildup for forbidden door going? And I do agree. It has been lackluster because of the difficulties and the obstacles that have been in his way. Like they're trying to set up this whole MJF, storyline on the first week they set up punk versus hiroshi tarahashi and then that blows up in their yeah. face so they have to do the whole thing on this week's show where they do the casino battle royal and then the match with moxley to set up the main event of forbidden door you get will osprey coming in and he's coming in in an roh world tag team title spot because his boys have already attacked ftr and you know then they lose at on rampage so yep. we don't Austin's know first match yeah we don't know what will osprey's doing at forbidden door you know uh, of course he didn't take the fall so we can we can take solace in that for the, yeah. for, the for the most part but is he gonna verse trent now at forbidden door that feels like a kind of a downgrade and we're really gonna do match would be awesome 
it would be, be good. It would be very good. But we're doing a we're doing a we, we, we out of all the dream matches people are talking about. <laughs> I don't think anybody's saying Will Osprey versus Trent. And congr- <laughs> congratulations to Will Osprey because now he can make that match a little bit more interesting because he won the IWGP United States Championship at Dominion. So at least it could be a title match. But I we as I'm on the watch along watching it with, with Romeo and Hill Steven on True Hill Heat YouTube channel, we're even saying matches that are much better in my opinion. Him versus Darby Allen, you know, Darby doesn't have too much going on. Him yep. versus Jungle Boy, if Jungle Boy's gonna lose the tag team titles, might as well throw him in. Hell, him versus Christian would be better than than uh, would be a more tantalizing name value I mean, hell, type of yeah, matchup. Even, the problem with Jungle Boy is right is like you bring up Jungle Boy and Christian is like they have their own thing going on right now. So but that doesn't need to be. They don't need to have their singles match until the next real pay per view for AEW. No, and I get that. Out. But 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 what I'm saying is is you're gonna have them lose the the, the championships this week. Probably have some kind of an. If they lose the titles on Wednesday, like how do you have them lose the championships and then set up some kind of a match with somebody else for Forbidden Door? So you, your your build up to that comes down to maybe basically next week, and that's and that's again a timing, 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 yeah. and and the hurdles, right? It's not just the, the injuries that you're talking about. I'm sure they'd love to set something up with Brian Danielson right now, but he's hurt at at the moment. They would have loved to have set something up for Adam Cole, but he's hurt. Obviously, they tried to set something up with CM Punk, and then he gets hurt. So you're having all these hurdles who are con- that are constantly get thrown in the way, and then scheduling for this thing has to be a major, major bitch. It's not yeah. like you're talking about a, a company that is based within the continental United States. You're talking about a company that is completely <laughs> overseas that you're having to work out travel issues with and bookings and. Tony Khan has got this plus his normal stuff going on. So this is a daunting, daunting task. And I'm sure he's going to learn about through all of these difficulties. The one thing that I hope they do is that New Japan did a lot of work for them on this Dominion show with their backstage interviews, stuff that you could see on YouTube, which is great to have it up on, you know, the New Japan YouTube. But that's not more people than that's going to watch AEW. AEW has 900 plus thousand people that watch their show every week. Throw in the Jay White promo. So yeah. have, you got to have room. I don't want, you know, they have four matches set up for this week's Dynamite. I would love if they just maybe add one more match and then fill in the other spots with like the Jay White promo backstage yeah. to set up him and Hangman. You could do the Jay White promo and then Hangman responds and you set that match up. You could do, you know, show the footage of Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn winning the IWGP World uh, Heavyweight Tag Team titles and the backstage promo where Jeff Cobb called out FTR and said, if you want the IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team titles, we want the ROH World Tag Team titles. So put your titles up against our titles. They had Rocky Romero come out and attack United Empire. So if they want to make that match a three-way, let's see FTR and Trent Beretta kind of together talking yeah. about their response to that and making that three-way official. So that's two more matches that you got for the card. You had Zack Sabre Jr. He lost the never open way six-man tag team title 
title match and he went backstage he 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 talked about that and then he glossed over and he started saying he was like i i dropped the subliminal last time at uh the last show where i was singing final countdown but y'all didn't get it so i'm just gonna <laughs> call him out he was like i'm just gonna call him out he was like if if brian danielson is not busy busy playing golf with the blackpool country club he said he said he wants to prove he is the best technical wrestler in the world so even if brian danielson is still injured just have him cut a promo and answer Jack Sabre Jr. And now you got four matches for Forbidden Door. All they have to do is show stuff to the fans. A lot of times it's like the AEW fans. Like I, I do these little critiques and nitpicks of an AEW show. And they're like, oh, well, well, they well, they had that there and there. They had it on Dark. They had it on Being the Elite. They had it on New Japan. No, they have to show it on the show that everybody watches, which is Dynamite. How this, the hell, this how the the hell did they? But, but wait, wait, I just want to say this big point that, this, you know, Jimmy McGrath that I do AEW review says a lot of criticism that I don't agree with. But one big thing I did agree with, how the hell did we have a whole episode of Dynamite, Rick, where they had a casino battle royale and the winner versus John Moxley, but we never got footage of the CM Punk promo to explain what's happening with him. We didn't get that on Dynamite. Half the people that watch Dynamite watch Rampage. Why are we not even going to have a highlight of CM Punk's promo? How did that happen? Yeah, probably. Well, okay. First off, if you remember back to CM Punk's promo, we didn't know what the hell actually was happening at that point. It was completely and totally a cluster F about CM Punk's like, am I relinquishing the title? I, I said I would, but Tony Khan said no. And then we get Chris Jericho coming back and say, he just relinquished the title. We go to commercial break. CM Punk relinquished the title. Go to a commercial break. Oh, wait, CM Punk didn't relinquish it. That whole thing was a cluster F. So I could I could see why maybe we didn't get that. But yes, to your point, this is the same thing that I bring up with WWE all the time. They put their best shit online. All of these great like Ezekiel vignettes that he's been doing where he's gone down to the WWE Performance Center or he's been talking about how he went to autograph signings with his brother and remembering back in the heyday and like doing like these documentary style things about his rookie year in WWE and how big of an influence his brother was. That is gold. Gold. They haven't aired a single solitary one of those on their show that gets a million point five viewers damn near every single week if not more they don't run those there they run them on youtube or they run them on twitter i mean the it's it's insane to me how you don't put your best stuff on television and that's the same thing it's the same thing with with that's it's the exact same argument that you're making there with with aew it's insane to me put your best stuff your most important stuff on your main shows i understand i understand the process of stretching out everything and making sure that your audience goes is going to your twitter and is going to your youtube and getting all the information here's the thing guys not everybody is like sp3 and myself who get paid to go out of our way to watch all these little things and put together the entire story and then say how awesome this is other people have lives <laughs> Other people can't go out of their way to do that stuff. Most of the people, even your hardcore fans, guys, 
are only watching Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, and sometimes Rampage, right? Like that's that's where you guys are watching. So your best stuff, your most important stuff, that needs to be on your show. Then facilitate all your other little stuff on all your other little channels. You who 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 mentioned something about oh it was on Dark this week? Who who was that? Who watches Dark? Like seriously, who watches Dark other than the fans who are actually there? I would love to know those numbers. I have watched Dark or Elevation literally one time, and that's because somebody I trained with had a match. So I watched it to support her and to see how she goes. Other than that, I ain't got time to watch Dark and Elevation. I'm sorry. Who are these people? They don't have kids. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't have time for it. I do. One of my friends does a review show on our True Hill Heat YouTube channel. And unsurprisingly, that's our lowest rated video <laughs> every single week. So the people don't even want a recap of what happened on Dark and Dark Elevation. So. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the best things that's going on on television right now uh, with AEW anyway is uh, Jade Cargill, the baddies and the build with team anti baddies. Do we have a name for this this collection of talent that is Chris Statlander and Athena and, you know, uh, Anna J? Do we have a collect? Do we have a name for these three? I don't know what to call them. I just um, anti baddies is the most that fallen. I fallen. Fallen goddess, queen slayer, big head girl from outer space. Sure. That's a little, All right. that's a little long, but. Yeah, it's a little long winded. We'll have to work on that. It's a title in process. Uh, but still, uh, this is uh, it's been a joy to watch these six collectively work with one another. Then you throw in Stokely Hathaway uh, as well, who has been a money addition to Jade Cargill and the baddies so far in AEW. Uh, but I tell you, man, they bring in Athena and I'm like, oh, that is perfect that is a perfect person to battle jade cargill honestly sign me up for athena being the one to beat jade cargill for that tbs championship and hand jade her first loss but the more i watch chris statlander over the last few weeks i can't help but lean the other way and go you know what maybe stat should be the one to actually do that so i'll ask you sp3 you can book one woman to defeat Jed Cargill for the TBS championship, would it be Athena or would it be Chris Statlander? I would I would book Chris Statlander. I I really like Chris Statlander. She's had hell of a matches with uh Red Velvet, and I think she can give Jade Cargill her best match. And look-wise, as far as like stature, she's the only one that measures up to yeah. what Jade Cargill offers. So I would go with Chris Statlander, even though I think Athena. I think I want to see Athena versus Thunder Rosa. That's the match I really want to see. Yes. Although she's in this feud right now that's very entertaining. I think long term, Athena versus Thunder Rosa is a match I got to see at an AEW pay-per-view that I think would steal the show. But for the TBS championship, it's Chris And I think the fan, you can tell the fan reactions. I think they want Statlander as well. And I think Statlander is one is a talent that literally checks all the boxes that that people are wanting the critics are wanting anyway i should say homegrown talent not an aew or not a wwe you know kind of talent box and push something else other than dr Britt baker when it comes to the women's division that's what they want don't push the wwe people and give us somebody other than Britt Baker. Well, Chris Statlander checks the boxes, and the fans are fully behind them. I agree with you on Athena with uh, with Thunder Rosa. 
that can happen way down the line. I look at Athena the same way I do Tony Storm. She is somebody who has won world championships, who is already well-established. They don't necessarily need to come in and, and book the former WWE people and have them run roughshod over the, the, the homegrown AEW talent that has been here for the last several years. Don't necessarily have to do that. They're already established. So putting somebody even as talented as Athena is up against somebody like Jade Cargill, who is just so physically dominant over Athena from, like you said, a stature standpoint, Chris Statlander matches up pound for pound much more uh, than Jade uh, to Jade Cargill than Athena does. So you can have Athena give Jade the fight of her damn life. And it still ain't going to be that big of a deal that she comes up short just because from a believability standpoint, Jade Cargill is just so damn dominating, right? I would book Chris Statlander, but I would not be surprised if it's not either one of them. I'm not saying this, this is a title run for Jade Cargill, though. Jade Cargill, it's going to end anytime soon. But if I'm going to book one, yeah, I'm probably going to lean uh, more towards uh, Chris Statlander. Uh, if you missed the announcement this past Friday, uh, not a shocking announcement considering that uh, she has not been on WWE programming for quite some time. I think actually since the Kabuki Warriors split away from her, she has not been on WWE TV since. Heck, I think there would be more people that were surprised that Paige was still under contract with WWE. But uh, she announced on Friday that her time with the company is coming to an end on July the 7th. Then on her Twitch stream, she made it very clear this was not her decision. This was WWE choosing not to renew her contract. SB3, I will ask you, even with the neck injury, because she also, that was the other interesting part, is she said she was, she felt 1,000%, even though she has not been cleared to perform. So I will ask you, even with the health concerns, if you were WWE, would you have renewed Paige's contract? <coughs> Whoa. Uh-oh. He's choking. He's going down. This was a tough question for SP3 to answer. <clears throat> Do you need a drink? Are you okay? Getting choked up thinking about all the stuff that Paige could have done right? in WWE. But most especially, she could have done been Ronda Rousey's manager. A babyface manager that would have fit in nicely. She said that she pitched that idea as well. So I don't understand why they didn't renew her contract, give her to Rhonda, and that would have worked out fine. There is so many different roles that they could have used Paige as. They got Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville walking around as officials. Could have had Paige as that. She did well as the general yes, manager. There were so many different things. So if I was WWE, yes, I would have found a way to renew Paige and find her a role for her to not sit on her ass like she said she had been doing <laughs> for the last three years yeah it's it's kind of ridiculous that they didn't let her do anything she could have been hell she could have been a coach at the pc she could have been on commentary she could have been uh, uh like you said an authority figure or a manager i would have put her with ronda rousey there's the slam dunk no problem whatsoever i would have put her there's so many things you could have had her been like a brand ambassador and done like you know make a wish stuff and send her out to, to places. There's so much that you could do with somebody as recognizable and as talented as pages. Yeah. You're just going to let her get away and just say, all right, see ya. Bye. And you know, Hey, the door is open for you, which is basically what they tell everybody. Like, okay. To me, to me, this screams, 
She wants to wrestle. They weren't going to clear her. And this might've just been WWE's way of saying, Hey, look, if you want to go wrestle, we're going to give you the opportunity to go do that, but it ain't going to be here. Will she show up in AEW? Well, she said, Hey, if the money's right, we'll see. But again, health, health is the most important thing. This woman is so incredibly talented. She can be successful at anything that she does anywhere, anywhere does not have to be in the wrestling ring, but I look at her and you, I know you brought this up as a joke because you were choking, but seriously, she's only 29. She is younger than all of the four horsewomen. She has the opportunity. If she is healthy enough to still have a lengthy and successful and hall of fame level in ring career. And I hope, and I pray that she gets that opportunity because yes, She's one of the most unlucky performers when it comes to, you know, being inside the ring that I have ever seen. And it is a damn shame that she was cut down before she even reached her prime. You can't even say that she reached her prime. The last time she wrestled a match, she was what, 25, 24, 25. It's insane to me. Absolutely insane. to me. You brought up Ronda Rousey. She got her ass kicked on Friday. Again. And this wasn't Raquel Rodriguez who whooped her ass. It was Shotzi Blackheart who was whooping her ass. Now, Ronda Rousey won the match. But I'm starting to notice a pattern with your girl here, SP3. She is giving up a ton of offense and is really going out of her way to make her opponents look good, look like they're on her level, which is something, unless your name was Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, and Becky, she did not do a whole lot of in her first run in WWE. She ran rough shot on everybody. She squashed the hell out of an out of Alexa Bliss, a five-time women's champion. Just swatted her away like she was a damn fly. She was so dominant in this first run, which maybe I'm looking into this. Maybe I'm not. But I think there is something there with the amount of offense that she's given. Are you as surprised as I am that she's giving up so much offense? I think people tend to remember the Alexa Bliss, like squashing or, you know, her versus the Raya squad who weren't positioned in that fact to be any type of competition with Ronda Rousey. And they tend to forget the two great matches that she had with Nia Jax, where she made Nia Jax look like more of a monster than anyone on the WWE roster outside of oh, Bailey and Sasha had been able to do. Or the the matches with Natalya on, I think it was Christmas Eve in 2018 that was one of Natalia's best matches in quite some time then so she did it with more than just the four horsewomen and had quality matches and she, I think that she realizes that there's not much around her on the Smackdown roster so this is what she needs to do to make people feel credible to make the Shotzi, Shotzi's of the world feel credible Shotzi had a hell of a performance here. She was more aggressive than she has been in any of her other main roster matches. She was given more time than she usually would get in a main roster match. And boy, oh boy, did she kick the crap out of Ronda, made Ronda feel like she was Holly Holm. So <laughs> that was that was pleasant. Uh, I think that Ronda is just, it's more giving. And she's even said this in her interview with the, you know, Wives of Wrestling podcast with John Alba that, 
she wants to go out there and have the match that her opponent wants to have. So if it's her selling for the most part, and then she's going to win in the end, I don't think Ronda cares too much. Yeah. She doesn't care about that. She she knows she's going to win, but she knows the best thing for the match overall is for her to do more selling. Her selling has improved for all the people that want to, you know, put a spotlight on her promo work, which I am not going to compliment because it hasn't been good since she's returned. But I think that she has gotten very much better at selling and making her matches feel a little bit more engaging. She had a really good match with Raquel. She had a good match with Shotzi. I'm ready to see her and give her a chance against Aaliyah. Give Aaliyah five minutes with Ronda Rousey and, and tell Ronda to sell for Aaliyah. If she could do that, <laughs> then I'm going to call Ronda Rousey the best worker on the women's division in WWE. I think if she wrestled Aaliyah for five minutes, it would be a lot of schoolboy one, two, no schoolboy. <laughs> I think it would be a lot of hope spots, um, you know, for, for Aaliyah in that match, but I don't know. I, I could be surprised. There have been some times where I've watched Aaliyah and I'm going, okay, I, I, I see, I see the talent there, you know, but I, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm just, no, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave Aaliyah alone. Cause I know a lot of people just crap on Aaliyah for, for, for no damn reason that poor girl, but uh, I will go back to what you said. This is what Rhonda needs to do because the, the lack of credibility and the lack of just sheer star power on the SmackDown women's roster right now is glaring because Sasha and Naomi are not there. And that takes a lot away from it. And again, I go back to that six pack challenge that we saw two weeks ago to set up Natalia and Ronda Rousey at, at SummerSlam. You had four heels in that match that nobody gave a damn about. And you, your two baby faces, uh, Raquel had not been around long enough for people to really get invested in. And then the other one was Aaliyah, whose biggest contribution to the roster so far has been beating Natalia in 3.17 seconds. So yeah, there wasn't a lot of talent in that match that people cared about that were truly invested in. And that match got all of four minutes. And that was a glaring spotlight on an issue with the SmackDown women's division. So yes, this is what Rhonda needs to do. She needs to show the, the, the main audience here that yes, these women are a threat. These women are credible. They are incredibly talented at least until Charlotte and, and Bailey show back up, because I think you know, that's going to happen sooner rather than later, probably at money in the bank. Uh, what we saw this past Friday on SmackDown was a really good intercontinental championship match. RIP to Ricochet's run. It uh, really never got going. Uh, you could tell they didn't have many major plans for him when they put the title on him. Not a major shock because they haven't had a whole lot of major plans for their last five, six, 12 intercontinental <laughs> champions. I don't know, but the man that they put it on reportedly is receiving rave reviews in WWE backstage for the people in charge. They are all on board the Gunter train, the ring general, and he is now the new intercontinental champion. So SP three to wrap up here, true or false. Now that Gunter is the intercontinental championship, that belt will be a bigger priority for creative moving forward. The belt won't. Gunther will. I think that <laughs> it, it's all about that. It's really WWE is living and dying by the man makes the title. The title doesn't make the man. 
This is just to give Gunther a bigger platform or some credibility in front of the WWE guys because they don't want to acknowledge what he did in NXT UK or NXT. So give his him first the major championship in WWE, exactly. they said, exactly. burying the an Ed entire brand. Because the NXT UK championship is not a major championship to the <laughs> WWE. Exhibit A. So, yeah, not the title, but Gunther True. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think as long as the IC title is on Gunther, it's going to be prioritized. And I would not be surprised if we end up getting an Intercontinental Championship match at Money in the Bank because Gunther is the Intercontinental Champion, which, again, would be the first time that title has been on a pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37. Since Big E walked into his hometown of 20,000 fans at Raymond James Stadium and lost the Nigerian drum fight that featured no drums. To Apollo, by the way, who is now in NXT again. Uh, so that kind of really started the curse of the Intercontinental Championship that we've seen these last 18 months. But I, I think it's finally on a guy that they have major plans for. This title is going to be on television every week. This title is going to be on pay-per-views again. So yes, this is going to be true. My only concern is he needs opponents. He needs opponents. They don't have any baby faces for him to wrestle. You could run back Ricochet again at, at Money in the Bank. Okay, cool, fine. But then where do you go after that? Drew McIntyre is in your world is in your world title program. You got Xavier no, Woods. Not. He will be once Cardiff rolls around, but do you really want him losing to Gunther and then challenging for a world championship? I'm going to have this title for a while. He going to lose that clash at the castle and then Drew can get a title shot there. Uh, there's Xavier Woods, there's Kofi Kingston, there's Shinsuke Nakamura. Those oh, are options. Sure. Those are options. Those are options. And, you know, once he decimates all three of those guys and we get to mid-July, then where do we go from there? That's so he's going to get rid of all those guys in less than a month. Y'all, you see, you just being negative for the sake of being negative. I am positive about Gunther with this title, and I was able to do a whole list of six contenders for Gunther as Intercontinental Champion. So that's I am willing I to bet he's going to run out of opponents before the card of the show rolls around. I'm just saying, I'm willing to bet that's going to happen. Because how do you? This man's been so dominant. How do you book this? How do you stress this out on a week-to-week -week basis? How does this guy have a feud with anybody? That's going to be the interesting part because so far it's just been, I'm going to beat the hell out of you every week. That's what I, oh, I know who his first title defense is going to be against. It's going to be against Drew Gulak. That's who his first title defense is going to be. Remember Drew Gulak? Hey, at least he was on TV for a while there. They got a soul chopped at him. We appreciate you guys listening to all 61 minutes of this half-hour podcast. This SP3 just gives me the stank nose. Uh, <laughs> make sure to hammer the thumbs up button, guys. Make sure to uh, hit that subscribe button while you're here. SP3 and I will be back in our live spot tomorrow, 2.15 Eastern Standard Time, to talk about everything that goes down on Monday Night Raw. Looking forward to talking to you guys all live again. Appreciate you guys tuning in to the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.